It's time now for The Road with our special guest speaker, Eileen Marks. Demons are like bullies. As long as you continue to give them your lunch money, they're going to keep bullying you. As long as you continue to show that you're afraid of them, they're going to continue to hang around. The moment you stop giving the bully that money, he's like, what's going on? Wait a minute. He's got to change his tactic. The moment you stand up and you take your authority in who Jesus made you and what is in you, your world will change. Welcome to another edition of The Road. We are so glad that you have joined us for this special message today. It's our vision to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ and to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of His love. If you're in the area, we welcome you to come out and join us for our Saturday night service beginning at 6 p.m. We meet at Chapel Hills Church located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. Today on the road, we will be continuing our series on spiritual warfare. Our guest speaker will be Eileen Marks. This teaching is from a previous message that she gave at Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque in New Mexico. Eileen is the wife of Victor Marks, and together they have founded ATP Ministries, an organization that reaches troubled and abused youth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eileen's message is entitled, Breaking Spiritual Strongholds. She'll be sharing about the spiritual battle we face every day, and will be giving some practical insight on how to overcome the enemy. Here now with today's special message is Eileen Marks. Isaiah 61. It's warm. Is anybody warm in here? Okay. Oh, can you just fan, please? Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking, going into the temple, opening up this scroll, and this is why he's here. He's going to tell us why, why he's here. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prisons of those who are bound. That is why Jesus came. He walked this earth. He knows what goes on in our hearts. He knows what this earth has in it. And he tells us this is why he came. Thank you, God. You didn't leave us by ourselves. Thank you. You didn't leave us to try to figure things out by yourself. But he came and he wants to help us. I, I, I find it interesting as Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them how to pray. We all know our Father who art in heaven. We know that we know that prayer, right? I want to talk about the three things towards the end of that, and that's what I'm really going to talk about tonight. And he goes, after he says, give us our daily bread, he says, forgive us of our trespasses or sins. And in the same sentence, he says, as we forgive those who trespass and sin against us. This is a matter of fact. This is just a way he wants us to live our life. Forgive us as we forgive those. And lead us not into temptation. Because he knows there's temptation here. And he knows who the tempter is. 
And then he closes it by saying, but deliver us from the evil one. An evil one. He had confrontation with that evil one. He knows who that evil one is. That's like one of the six things he tells us how to live our life. So if Jesus is talking about that, I think it's pretty important that we make it a priority in our life. Do you agree? That's Matthew 6, 10. Ladies, I know we're held captive. And if you're here tonight and you walk through those doors, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because I know it's not easy. But you have to know we're fellow sisters. We're just women. We may look different, but we still have the same desires in our hearts. We have the same issues. They're just packaged differently. If we're dealing with anger and bitterness and shame and guilt, I don't want you to leave. I know the Lord God Almighty doesn't want you to leave those doors the same. I know he wants you to give it to him. He wants you to be set free. Okay, bondage. What is the name of this demolishing what? Strongholds. Do we really understand what strongholds are? Strongholds, it's something that's holding you, not you holding it. So it could be like, because I do karate, it could be like somebody coming behind you and doing a big bear hug on you and you can't get out of it. I don't care how hard you try, you're kind of stuck in that stronghold against your will. We're gonna learn how to recognize what those strongholds are. You do not have to have a high IQ. You don't have to have spiritual gifting or certain personality to understand the world, the flesh, and the devil. We just have to understand what's already been done for us. Jesus has already paved that path for us. He has already given us authority in him as we are in him. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's in us. Do we believe it? Yes, do you believe it? I'm gonna tell you, if you don't, that's one of the problems. It's there, just because we don't think maybe a color's a color doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus is alive in us and he gave us that power. He gave it to us and who are we? But he said we have it in him. It's believing the affirming work that Jesus Christ has already done. One of those things that he knows we are to come against are demons. Ooh, does that scare you? I hope not. Demons are like bullies. As long as you continue to give them your lunch money, they're gonna keep bullying you. As long as you continue to show that you're afraid of them, they're gonna continue to hang around. The moment you stop giving the bully that money, he's like, what's going on? Wait a minute, he's gotta change his tactic. The moment you stand up and you take your authority in who Jesus made you and what is in you, your world will change. 
My husband and I did go to Iraq, and he didn't want me to go. He kept showing these horrible images of what was happening to people over there, especially women. American women and Christians, and I'm an infidel because I'm a Christian, right? He kept showing me these, but I had the total peace of God in my mind that it didn't matter. It did not matter because I knew God was saying, go, you need to go. So in spite of all these terrible images, I still went. And there was one time we were in northern Iraq. We went to a hotel that was formerly Saddam Hussein's casino. And you can feel the evil still there. It's like the remnant was still there. And when we as believers, we walk into evil, you know what we can do? We can change the atmosphere of that. Now, we may not change everything, but we can certainly change the atmosphere of where we're at. And here's how we did that. We had our little um, iPhone, and we played music. We played Christian music. So in our room, we had Christian praise music going. And I can tell you, I can feel the evil leave, because they don't like praise music. (laughs) When we're walking in the corridor to the elevator, we're bringing that music, oh, you just feel it leaving. It doesn't like it. So that's one way we change the atmosphere. We're not afraid, because you know what, ladies? Demons are not afraid of us. They're not. But they're afraid of the one who's in us. And if you know who's in you, they know it too. If they know you don't know, who you have living in you, they know that. And then they'll try to bully you because you're not using your authority. When Victor and I were in Hawaii, you know how some people bring home cute little animals because they just feel so sorry for the animals? My husband would not bring home animals, he'd bring home people. (laughs) People. And he's just, he has the biggest heart So God enlarged my heart because now we have somebody in my living room. They're going to stay with us. But one of those persons, um, young man, Victor, met on the airplane coming back from California. We were in Hawaii. And this poor young guy was, he was demon-possessed. The demons possessed him. And he was into all kinds of drugs. So he comes into our house, and every Friday after we did karate, Victor would do a Bible study. So I was sitting next to this young man named Greg, and he starts manifesting. He does not like praise. So as he's manifesting, Victor motions for me to take him out of the room. Okay, honey, thank you. So (laughs) we go to the next room, and I don't know what to do. So I just start, I mean, we're like this. We're sitting just like this. So I just start saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And he, this demon inside, gets so mad. This is what he does. He turns his body towards me. I'm sitting here. He hikes up his knees like he wants to kick me. And I just, I mean, I I know who's in me. and, And I know who's in him. And he wasn't able to do anything. He knew that if he even tried, he wouldn't be able to. I just went, praise God. This demon in here is trying to intimidate me. But he couldn't. Ladies, you know why? Because I know who's in me. And that demon knew who's in me. Thank you, God. Has nothing to do with me. 
It's the one in me. Ladies, he's in you if you're a believer, if you're a child of God. He's given you that authority. You should be using that authority in your circle, in your home, in your workplace, wherever you go, you change that environment because who's with you? It's not just you. Woohoo! One of the things that I really, I have a really hard time with, we are good here, is children. Um, children believe what they see and they hear. I believe that's one reason why Jesus says you must become like a child. Because they just believe, they're innocent, they believe what they're told. This is where I believe with all that I am, all that is in me, I believe Satan goes after children because he knows the imprint he can put on them. And if they believe those things that they're told, if they start developing those little things as a child, chances are they're gonna continue that way in their lifetime. When we go to youth facilities, sometimes we go to uh, mental hospitals because these kids are, they're not mental. They're locked up because of their behavior and they're put on so much medication. It is such a pathetic sight to see these kids completely drugged out. Now I understand you have to discipline and correct bad behavior, I, I get that. I am a mother of five. But when you have a child, and I believe that so many of those children that I see and I hear their stories have been abused as a child, they don't know what to do with that. So their, their, their behavior is bigger than the parent can handle. It's bigger than the teacher. It's bigger than authority. So they're put in a mental hospital. So I know this, so many are misdiagnosed because of childhood abuse. And that is where I believe the enemy starts his work on that, on that little person's life. I mean, my husband, my husband was diagnosed with bipolar. And two... Uh, sessions after he was in his trauma counseling, the therapist said, he does not have bipolar. He's experiencing PTSD. So I don't know if any of you know my husband's story, but he was uh, severely abused as a child. And it's amazing. It is amazing what God has done in his life today. But here's, here's one of the things that Victor had to do. He had to believe. He had to believe who God, who God was. Um, Satan, I believe, is the author of abuse. Because when somebody abuses a child, they have to be under the influence of something evil. Sexual, physical, emotional. That person has given themselves over to that. They become a willing vessel for the enemy to hurt this child. And ladies, with the group of women this big, I know, I know there are those of you who have been abused as a child, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry you've been abused. That is not God's plan for your life. And I know if you still struggle, he wants to free you. Amen. I watched my husband struggle as a grown man with um, things that were told him by his stepfather. 
his stepfather would abuse him, and then he would tell him, if you ever tell anybody what I've done, I'll kill you. As a child, he believed him because children believe what they're told. I watched my six foot two Marine black belt. I watched him transform from this man to a little boy by the phone. My husband took a phone call from his stepfather and he was actually like transported back. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? That it's, there's a switch in your mind because of the power, because of what was spoken over you, because of the lies that were spoken over you. He believed him, even as a grown man, even as a Christian. How does that happen? How come he just doesn't say, you're not gonna do this to me? It's because of the lies, the lies that he was told, but also he believed. This was a deliberate strategy over his life. Because once Satan gets that lie in there, he will go as far as he can with it. And then here's what happens. Who's the father of lies? Who? So whatever he says, he is a liar. He does not speak truth. Only truth he speaks is to confuse and to distort the truth. So a little child is told something, he grows up, it doesn't just disappear. Truth has got to come into that lie and then you have to believe it. Ladies, can any of you relate to me? Can any of you remember any lies that you've been told about yourself? about your value, your worth, your purpose, who you are, why you're here. If you, if you know those lies and you've never dealt with them, you've never brought truth to that, that is a stronghold. You are holding on to a lie. God wants you to release it to him, give it to him. There's no freedom in that, it's called bondage. It's called bondage, it binds you. We want to make sure these strongholds <laughs> make their way out. They have no more permission to be here. Evict them. But first we have to acknowledge them and we have to recognize this has been a stronghold in my life. Here's how the cycle goes. You hear a lie or you're told a lie. You repeat the lie in your mind as though it's the truth. That lie is then reinforced by your own mind or other people. Somebody does something to you that triggers or reinforces that lie, and then you get the cycle again. You start thinking about it, and then you start believing it, and then it becomes bigger than you. And here's the sad things, ladies, is that when you hear the truth, you can't apply it because you don't believe it. This lie is so big. In your mind, it trumps the truth. But Jesus says, you shall know 
the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why he came to set you free, to bind up your broken heart, to break open those doors of your own prison in your own mind so you can have freedom. Do you want freedom? Do you want to be stuck in your mind? Do you want to be captive in your mind, in your heart? Please say no. Thank you. The truth will set you free. Truth sets people free. Lies speak, you are worthless. Truth speaks, you are valuable made in his image. Lies speak, you were a mistake. Truth speaks, even before you were born, there was somebody thinking about you. God Almighty knows the number of days you're gonna be here. Maybe your parents didn't know you were on your way, but God did. Truth speaks, lies speak, you're ugly. Truth speaks, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lies speak, you're worthless. Truth speaks, you're priceless and you're made for God's glory. Lies speak, you're dumb, you're stupid. Truth speaks, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lies speak, Everyone's against you. Truth speaks, if God is for you, who can be against you? Are you getting the truths? Are truths bigger than the lies, ladies? Even if you don't believe it, are the truths bigger than the lies? Yes, Yes, they are. Always, they will always be bigger. Always. Psalm 139 23 and 24. I was, um, I've homeschooled my kids off and on for the past 25 years. Wow, that's a long time. And we were doing a, uh, we were memorizing Psalm 139 for a Christmas gift for daddy. And while I was doing this, I'm memorizing it with him. This is one of the uh, scriptures that I love and I want you to listen and hear what King David is saying, because King David wrote this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. King David asked God to search him because he didn't even know what was in his own heart. Ladies, we don't even know what's in our own heart because our hearts are desperately wicked. Our hearts lie to us, don't they? Our hearts make us believe something that's not real. Our hearts tell us something that confirms that lie in our life. If you are willing, if you are willing to ask God to search your heart, but even more importantly, if you're willing to accept what's in your heart, then you're on your way to freedom. It may not always be, at the time that you really want. For me, um, because I was memorizing the scripture with my kids, I was meditating on it, and 
he showed me at the most inopportune time I could ever ask. Um, I do women's self-defense, and I was doing it for a group of professional women. And before I, I start, I kind of just do a background of myself and, and the style that I teach. And all of a sudden, I had an image in my mind about my dad who was beating up my mom. And I started crying. And I had to apologize because this is not what I wanted to do for a group of women who I'm going to teach self-defense to. But the Lord showed me this. Now, I, loved, I love equipping women to learn how to defend themselves. I love it. But he showed me that I had so much anger that was driving my reason. Because I never wanted a woman to feel like just because she's a woman that she had to feel like she had to be taken advantage of. So that's true. Nobody should take advantage of a woman or a child because they're weaker. But see, for me, there's anger that was fueling that. And the Lord showed me, Eileen, teaching self-defense isn't the issue. It's your anger behind it. So that was kind of like the beginning of the Lord showing me what was in my heart. So when we're willing, he'll show us. And it's okay. He knows you. And guess what? He loves us anyways. Remember I said that the enemy uses childhood as like the perfect opportunity because it's fertile. The little heart is so formidable and so believable. Well, when I was eight years old, the perfect opportunity came for the enemy to get into my heart. There's eight kids in my family. I'm the youngest of eight. I have a twin sister. But this is how we woke up one morning on a school, school morning. We woke up to my mom screaming and crying and, and saying to my dad, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. I remember being in my bed. I was so angry at my dad because what he was doing to my mom. Do you know what that does to children when they have no control? They can't stop anything. They're just filled with fear and anger. Ladies, that became the fertile ground for the enemy to get my heart. And that's what he did. That anger towards my dad turned into hate. And when, by the time I was 10, my parents announced they're going to get divorced, I was so happy. I was so happy I did not want to be around him. Children shouldn't be happy that their parents are getting divorced. So, as we separated, my dad took the boys, my mom took the girls. I was, it was like uh, we were out of prison, out of our home. But that also set me up for a whole lot of stuff. So the opportunity, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. That is what he wants. So eight years old, a little girl full of anger. So anger was the opportunity. Did I know that? Of course I didn't know that. I'm a little girl. But as I grow up, I tell you what, I had some serious authority issues. 
I had authority issues with teachers, and, and, and a lot of it was quiet, defiant. I had authority issues with um, workers and bosses. Don't tell me what to do, because you know why? My dad, who told me what to do, did it with such meanness and anger. I don't want to listen to you. Can you hear what I'm saying? Do you know what that feels like? So this is what I get to bring into my marriage. So at 23 years old, I come to the Lord. He cleanses me. He gives me a brand new life. But I still have stuff in my heart. Jesus is in my heart, but so is stuff that I didn't even know was in there. So here's the interesting thing that happens. When we get married, we're two people, and we come together. And he's got his issues, and you have your issues, right? Does it just magically, poof, go away? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) It does not. And I'm so thankful for marriage because marriage is a good place to start working these things out. But a lot of times they don't. So people say, I'm out of here. See, my husband, because of his past, he always describes his luggage that he brings into our our marriage as the whole train that comes with not just one piece of luggage, but the whole train of luggage. And then I just say, well, I have a carry-on, but I had explosives in my carry-on. But I didn't know. I didn't know. So, so we had, actually our first 10 years was the hardest 10 years of our life. Three small children. Um, we had our own business, but my husband started to unravel. His, his stuff started going to the top. And thank goodness God gave us a few years to kind of get a little glue. But we, we walked into our marriage. We did walk into our marriage with no back door. We're not leaving but we didn't know what, are, what was really in that marriage. And I, I know a lot of you probably have the same thing. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know your spouse. He doesn't know you until the heat goes under there, until you start having children, and then you start lo- losing sleep, and then finances, and then how you discipline the children, how you raise the kids. All those things are the perfect opportunity to start bringing out what's in your heart. The, the truth is, I mean, I really had a hard time respecting. Respect was a huge, disrespect, I should say, was a huge issue because I didn't respect my father. And it doesn't magically just appear in your marriage to your husband. So that's something that we really had to work on. God had to show me that uh, my disrespect for my husband was really coming from the disrespect I had towards my dad. And actually there's a terminology, it's called transference of anger. So you, you really don't wanna do this and you don't know why you can't stop. And you, know, you, you vowed I'll never act like that. However, when it's in your heart, you can maintain it for a little bit. But then as soon as the pressure comes up, guess what? Out of the abundance of the heart, mm, I was very mean with my mouth. I'm not proud of it, but I'm going to speak honest with you to help you. 
because of what was going on in my heart, I would explode at my husband. And he didn't even know why. And I didn't even know why really half the time either. Uh, there were times when I would discipline my children um, in anger. And I would, I would go to bed sometimes so ashamed at my behavior towards my little ones. They didn't deserve me yelling at them. But that was in my heart. I was a believer. I had Jesus in my heart. Why couldn't I get a hold of that? Part of my heart was being held captive. It was in bondage. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. When I see that, because I'm such a visual person, I see like two security guards at the entrance of my heart. They're instructed what is allowed to come in and what's not allowed to come in. If things are allowed to come in that aren't supposed to be there, it affects your heart. It affects how you deal with people. It affects how your relationship is with God and with other people. When we find ourselves in arguments, in quarrels, in disagreements, do you ever feel like you're on a, on a train that you can't get off of? and you don't know why you're here again? Ah, why did I do that again? You're on a train, your own train. And the arguments that can be like nothing, you know what they do? They activate what's already in your heart. And some of us are more uh, confrontational. Some of us love it. Whether we're right or wrong, we just love to confront people. Our behavior tells on us. When we allow anger into our heart, it contaminates our whole being. And if we think about the heart as the center of our reasoning and thinking, anger, picture a little anger. It's like a weed that just starts doing its own thing. It just starts weaving its little things all over. And you don't even know where it starts and where it begins until you get to the root. If you get to the root, then you can go, oh, that's, that's where that came from. Remember I said that Satan loves to create opportunities in children? And then the Bible says, be angry and do not sin, lest you give an opportunity to the devil. The opportunity given, ladies, is the doorway to demons. What does this mean? Do not give the devil an opportunity. What does that mean? It means a doorway. 
And, and I have to tell you, I don't fully understand where all this stuff happens. The mind, the will, the heart, I don't know. But I believe it's the heart because we're told to guard the heart. The strongholds, they're invisible. But they have its own characteristics. You can see it in the way you behave. You can see it in the way you respond to people. You can see it really in how you treat God and how you allow him to come into your life. Be angry, do not sin. What's the sin, ladies? It's anger, it's hate, it's wrath, it's bitterness, it's unforgiveness, it's jealousy, it's all that stuff. And again, how can a Christian, how can a Christian have that in her heart if she's got the Holy Spirit in her heart? Because somehow you allowed it to get in. Somehow you gave an opportunity. Have you ever said, I hate the way I act? Have you ever said, I don't know why I do this? Have any of you ever said that? Yes, I have. For me, my stronghold ladies was anger. And I already told you, an opportunity when I was eight years old, and the anger was towards my dad. Here's a sobering thing I want you to think about. When you have strongholds, when you're captive, and you have children, you are setting your children up to have strongholds, to be captive. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because of your behavior. And I know you don't want that. I know you don't want that, because I'm a mom. Now, God's able to forgive us. God's able to cleanse us and free us, and that's what he wants to do. But we have to be able to recognize, and we have to be willing to say, yes, this is what's in me. It's ugly. I, I don't like it, I hate it. But then once we say that, then we can start dealing with the issue. It's amazing, it's amazing what happens when you allow the Lord to get that root deep in your heart, when you allow him to pull it. And it's not weed eating. You know what weed eating does? Weed eating just goes on the surface. Okay, looks good for about a week. And then it comes back again. When we allow the Lord to go deep into our hearts and pull it from its roots, you know what's usually attached to that? Little other branches that have formed because of the first one. For me, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, because of the anger. Now, I'm here to tell you that God did an amazing thing in my heart. I went through a time of healing. I went through a time of confession. I went through a time of complete cleansing my heart. And the other thing was validation. I was able to get validation for the things that hurt me. Because if we don't get validated, then we really don't get free. And whether or not somebody in your life is still here 
on this planet for you to get validated, you can still get validated. And because my dad was in heaven when I went through my time of healing and cleansing. And it's a beautiful thing. Oh my goodness, there's so much freedom. Ladies, I'm not triggered. I'm not triggered if my husband says something. I'm not triggered and thinking I jump to, to conclusions like really what he means is this because really what he meant was just this. Not all this stuff. He, I mean, sometimes he'd come home and say, honey, what's for dinner? What? I don't know what's for dinner. I've been cleaning. I'm a, I'm, I'm a mommy of three small children. That was my reaction. He's going, uh, okay. <laughs> so the overreaction. Poor guy. Yes. Okay, I deserve that. <laughs> Ladies, are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling like you just can't, you can't do enough good to get it out of you? Are you feeling like you just can't change your behavior? That's a good question. I want to tell you some steps that I did that got me free. And that little piece of paper you have, again, this is between you and God. But if, if you are willing to let, it, let yourself see those areas and you confess it, you confess your anger, your bitterness, your jealousy, whatever it is, ladies. It can, it can be a number of things, because we're human. It, it can be a number of things. We confess it. For me, it was anger. Confess whatever was the opportunity that I gave to the enemy. It says, if you confess your sin, your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed, I believe if you confess your sin to the Holy Spirit, he's another one. I believe if you have a person that you can trust that can hold your sin close to their heart and pray with you, that's another way you can do that. But confess it, get it out, get it out. My father, first 40 years of his life, he was a very angry alcoholic. The second, 30-something years, God used him to help people who were addicted with alcohol and drugs. I'm happy to say he's in heaven. He gave his life to the Lord. But he, he would say, this is an AA slogan, pardon me, but he would say that you are as sick as your secrets. I believe that. You are by yourself sick as your secrets. You know what happens, ladies, when you say it? Oh, you free yourself. That little secret no longer is a secret. And you're no longer held captive by it. And ladies, we all have them. When the enemy tells you, don't ever tell anybody, oh my, what would they think of you? Can you imagine, oh my goodness, right? Those are fears that we hear, don't ever tell anybody. Well, let me tell you, sister, we all got something, okay? Praise God, he loves us, he cleanses. The second biggest part for me was forgiving my dad. I had to forgive him. And you know what? 
He came from a life that I never knew about. I actually, when I was able to find out more about his life and his troubles, when he was a kid, one of his older brothers would always bully him. Every day after school, he would beat him up, every day. So guess what my dad had in his heart? Anger, resentment, bitterness. When my dad was 68, his brother, older brother that he loved died. And my dad was asked to do his eulogy. And he did it. And, and my dad, I mean, he's a very articulate man. He's just, he just has a beautiful way with words. The brother who he didn't like, his children said, Uncle Bernie, could you do our dad's eulogy? And my dad told me, 68 goes, I don't know one good thing I could ever say about him. Did he have bitterness still in his heart? He did. I looked at my dad and I thought, why don't you forgive him? Because guess what? My dad hated being bullied, but guess what? He became a bully. He bullied my mom and his children. He never dealt with it. I was able to forgive my dad. I forgave my dad. And, I, and everything he did, I forgave him. And then I actually had compassion on him. Compassion because... I knew where his heart was. I knew he was still stuck. He was not living in freedom. Forgiveness, remember the Lord's prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. And I know there's some, probably some pretty big, very tall orders of forgiveness that has to be done here. I realize that but it doesn't change. We still have to forgive. Because when you forgive, guess who gets free? We get free. Jesus didn't say that to us. It's a checklist, okay, do this and do that. He does it because he knew our heart is free. And he does take it very seriously when we do not forgive. And I know it's very difficult to do it in your own strength. You have to have the Holy Spirit help you. Here's the third thing that I had to do. I had to ask God to cancel the ground or permission given over the demonic realm. Effectively removing their right to stay. How do they have a right? The opportunity I gave them that just festered in my life. We say, God, you take this territory back. This belongs to you. Can you hear me? There's territory you've given over to the enemy, and I'm sure you didn't know it, but now you do. You give it back to God. You tell God to take that territory back. Little demons are like uninvited guests. They will not leave until the right authority comes in. Time to get them out. Get all their furniture, all their wallpaper, all their ugly carpet out. <laughs> you do that as a believer because you have authority that God's given you. It's not in and of yourself. 
It's not in and of me because I'm nothing outside of Jesus Christ. But because he's in me, the authority's in me, we take that stand. Ladies, I don't believe, I do not believe that Christians can be possessed. I, can't, I, I don't, I don't. Because possession means their possession. You cannot have Jesus and that going on at the same time. I don't believe in complete possession. But here's what I do believe in. And this is what I've seen in my life and those people that we see, we talk to, you can have an attachment. And again, I don't understand where in the, in the realm outside of being in the heart. After you take the ground back, the eviction happens. You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, fill that part of your heart that was held captive. And he will fill you. And you know what? Your life will change. You, you will have more love that God wants to give you than you've never had before. You've never experienced love like God wants if you've been held captive. Do you hear what I'm saying? It can't happen like that. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but he's been crowded. He's been crowded by these strongholds. He wants full freedom. Forgiveness, ladies, is for everyone. When we went to Iraq, I was able to go into a women's prison. Over there, they have the, the boys and the women's in the same area. Uh, ladies, women over there are not considered equal to men. And that's just their culture. They're second-class citizens. But I want you to picture this. I walk in, I have 10 minutes with the translator to tell them something. And, and I, oh, Lord, help me. I don't know what to say. And he said, forgiveness. Tell him about forgiveness. So as these ladies are lined up like this around their bunk beds, there's like 30 women in there and there's bunk beds all the way around. And over there, they have their babies with them. So some had tiny, tiny babies up to toddlers, maybe three or four years old, right next to them. So they're all in their burkas. Some have head coverings. And I'm trying to talk to them about forgiveness. The Muslim faith, they don't believe in forgiveness. And they don't understand the love of God. But I was able to talk about forgiveness for them, that they had to forgive those who hurt them. The most precious sight was to see tears in their eyes. Because they got it. They understood and then you know what I was able to do? I was able to walk around the room and hug them and say, God bless you. God bless you to each, each person. Only one person out of all those ladies didn't want me to do that. Everybody else put their hands around me. Forgiveness, ladies, is universal. That's what God said. It's for everybody whether or not they deserve it, whether or not you want them to do it. When you forgive, you release that stronghold. Your heart is opened up. When my husband went through his time of healing, he did not understand really how much God loved him. He could tell everybody else how much God loved them. 
But he really, for his own self, for his own heart, as a child, he believed that he wasn't loved by God. So as he got through his healing and God just did like a rushing, amazing work in his life, God's heart was able to feel that. Now Victor's able to get God's love fully, just like a huge thing here, just full of God's love. And guess what? He was able to love me in a way that he really wanted to. He just wasn't able to. And the same for me. I was able to allow God to love me so I can love my husband and my children and you, you ladies. You have been listening to The Road with our special guest speaker, Eileen Marks. We pray that you've been blessed by the message today. Our hope is to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's why we teach the Word of God verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and precept upon precept. We're excited about all the things God is doing in the lives of our faithful listeners. We understand that there are many trials and tribulations in this world, and we'd love to be able to pray for you as you encounter difficult times. Please drop us a note and let us know how we can pray for you. Write us at The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you've been blessed by this message, please let us know as well. Again, the address is The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you're in the area, please stop on by and join us at The Road for our Saturday night service at 6 p.m. We meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. In addition, you can find out more about The Road by going to our website, at theroadcs.org. That's theroadcs.org. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com slash theroadcs. If you tweet, you can join the conversation with us at Road Companions. As always, we covet your prayers. Thanks again for tuning in today. And be sure to catch us again next time for another edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt.